You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Welcome in to Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into some of the most prominent action movies of all time, gentlemen. And I know that last week we promised the audience a deep dive into a mid-90s Nicolas Cage, John Travolta classic, Face Off. But then we realized, oh, it's almost the 4th of July. And a couple listeners pointed out, this would be a good week to do Independence Day, the 1996 blockbuster. So we're going to do Face Off next week. And today we dive into a game-changer action movie. One of the highest grossing action movies of all time, Independence Day from 1996. And I don't want to spoil anything, but one of the great on-screen presidential performances oh. in cinematic history. I mean, I have a statement on it, but I, I, not just cinematic history. I think real presidents and fake presidents. History, to be completely honest. <laughs> if you rank all of the presidential speeches, fake and real. George, 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 what's his face is very upset or Harrison Ford is very upset. George, what's his face? George Washington. No, I, I almost said George Harrison. Harrison Ford is very upset. He wants his credit. Abraham, what's his face? You know what? George Harrison should have been president, followed by McCartney. (laughs) He should have. Uh, So, all right, here is the summary for Independence Day. In the epic adventure film Independence Day, strange phenomena surface around the globe. The skies ignite. Terror races through the world's major cities. As these extraordinary events unfold, it becomes increasingly clear that a force of incredible magnitude has arrived. Its mission? Total annihilation over the 4th of July weekend. The last hope to stop the destruction is an unlikely group of people United by fate in unimaginable circumstances. 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. A $75 million budget turned into $817 million at the box office. The Rotten Tomatoes critics uh, consensus says the plot is thin and so is character development. But as a thrilling, spectacle-filled summer movie, Independence Day delivers. This movie starred Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Judd Hirsch, Randy Quaid, Robert Loja, Vivica A. L. Fox, Harry K. L. For Loja. O. For oh, oh my, oh God. my God. It's Robert Loja. G. For, uh, Harry Connick Jr. And it was directed by Robert Emmerich, who also directed The Patriot, Godzilla, The Day After Tomorrow, uh, 2012, and all kinds of other explosion movies. So, um, yeah, this is one of the I got some production notes. You guys chime in here. Independence Day became the second highest grossing film ever at the time behind Jurassic Park, and it won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. While the film was still in post-production, Fox began an extensive marketing campaign to help promote the film, beginning with the airing of a dramatic commercial during Super Bowl Thirty, for which it paid $1.3 million at the time. The film's subsequent success at the box office resulted in a trend of using Super Bowl airtime to begin the advertising campaigns for potential blockbusters. Do you guys remember the lead up to this movie? Just the commercials and I was certainly oh, too it was, young. It was huge. The White House exploding. And My stuff. buddies all went and saw it. 
like it was you didn't an opening no it was what? an opening no i i didn't i didn't see it until we watched it for this exercise <laughs> two years, years ago oh, i'd never seen this film i didn't care but all of my friends like went the weekend it opened like it was that type of film so and back then like that was sort of common like i feel like now that the, the uh, top gun s- sequel which was huge like that's a rarity now and the fact that people actually go to the theater but back then like you had opening weekends especially around the fourth of july that were absolutely huge and all of my friends were like we got to go see this i just didn't care i was four when this movie came out so like i i was obviously still too young but i like i remember how significant it was even like years later like it was a legitimately like and it still plays like it even in 2022 like it's still a i i love this movie i think it's a really good movie yeah uh, there's effects, there was a sequel a few years ago. Well, it, won, yeah, it was the best good. special effects that you at could have in 1996. Well, yeah, no, at the time it's great, but as we discussed with Twister, it's at in back then, um, special effects were great. Now you're like, oh boy, they've come a, a long way. You know what though? If you go back in '96, look at the films that came out. '96 was what has to be one of the great years for films, because I want to say Twister, um. This film, there's like five or six just mammoth films to this wow, day. Wow, I just Rock. pulled up the list. Mission Impossible, The Rock, the Rock yeah. The Nutty Professor. I'm just going down the highest grossing <laughs> movies. The Nutty Professor was the fifth. High. Ransom came. Yeah. Ransom was 1996. I love that film. Give me back my son. I saw that one, and that's a great, great film. I believe that's a Ron Howard production. Wow. Mel Gibson. Phenomenon. Space Jam came out, Mr. Holland's oh, Opus, good. Jerry Maguire in 1996, Jack, The Cable Guy. Show me the money. 101 Dalmatians came out. In, yeah, I think The Rock might have been in there, too. The Rock did come said, out, yes. Yeah. yeah, but I think the about The fourth that. highest grossing movie. In fact, here are the highest grossing movies of 1996. Independence Day, Twister, Mission Impossible, The Rock. So just four straight-up action movies. And then The Nutty Professor was fifth. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, man. Power of Eddie Murphy. Still had, still had it in the mid-90s. Uh, the writers of this movie, one at one of which included Robert Emmerich, the director, were bothered by the fact that for the most part in alien invasion movies, they come down to Earth and they're hidden in some backfield or they arrive in little spores and inject themselves into the back of someone's head or something. Emmerich agreed by asking Devlin if arriving from across the galaxy would you hide on a farm or would you make a big entrance? And the two wrote the script during a month-long vacation in Mexico, you know, with the idea that if they're going to come to Earth from light years away, then, you know, you're going to New York City. You know, you're going to... Going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You're going to blow Tokyo. Up all the ma- yeah, blow up every major town there is. Yeah. So, all right, let's, we'll start with Judd here. We'll get into uh, our statements about Independence Day. My statement, number one, is this. One of the things that sets this film apart as far as the characters go, Randy Quaid playing himself is yes. phenomenal. Randy Quaid, I seriously, Randy Quaid in this film, like of all the action films, right, that came out and the action stars and the good-looking people that get those roles, my God, they basically had him play his vacation role. Yes. As a guy, resp- yeah, cousin... It, it, you're exactly right. But, I mean, this is – I just loved it. I think that that role – and, I mean, this guy is off his rocker. There's no question. He's proven to be just a, a a nutcase, which isn't surprising. But Randy Quaid, to me, what a casting. I love the idea of you, know, you can create 
spin-off movies like you know, this movie as a spin-off of Christmas Vacation. You know, if, if Cousin Eddie, instead of drinking out of a flask, if he was just drinking out of the moose, you know, the, the moose antlers uh, eggnog glass. He literally lives in an RV in both movies. Yep. He has an RV in both of these films. With weird kids. In With both weird films. kids. I am proud, yeah. Yes. Um, I think the other thing, too, about, like, the cast in this movie or just, like, the setup, within five minutes, you know what you know what uh, Randy Quaid's character is all about you know that Jeff Goldblum is struggling to get over a divorce and trying to find meaning in life uh we find out that uh Bill Pullman as the president also has kids he used to be a fighter pilot and has an approval rating before 40 uh, below 40% like all these things you find out in the first 5 minutes of the movie uh Declan I'm going to let you go next so I can grab my dog who is pawing at the door uh okay. so oh my uh... you, you go next with your David you got it Vinny's uh, at grandma and grandpa, so I don't got to worry about Vinny uh, knocking on the door right Stella's now. Drinking. So we got Sal's drinking. Surely. That's that She's sounds exactly surely. right. Stop that drinking. Right. Yeah, that'll do right. it. Uh, my my first statement on Independence Day is this: America's leadership could learn a thing or two from Bill Pullman. <laughs> All right. No matter what political party either Bill Pullman identifies for, or even as you as a listener identify with, you could learn a lot, and this country and its leadership could learn a lot. From Bill Pullman. Here's here's some of the things I wrote down, and I'll even wait till Phil gets his headphones back on so I can explain yeah. this to Phil here. Now he comes back. Phil, Tell my statement was All right, sorry. My, my wife's my wife's on a on an important my, uh, Zoom, and she's like, "Can you just grab mine real quick here?" Yeah, yeah, my, sure. my, I'm just hanging out with my dog here. So my my oh. statement, Phil, was uh, America's leadership could learn a lot from Bill Pullman. What no matter what party you identify with, you could learn a lot from Bill Pullman. Here's some of the things I noticed from Bill Pullman during his time as president in the movie Independence Day. He's okay. strong-willed. He's very strong-willed with his convictions. He's well-spoken. But he also listens to others. He gathers all the info and then makes an informed decision. And even when an administration is lying to him about situations, he holds them accountable. He, there was no Area 51. No one told the president about Area 51. Are we serious? <laughs> Seems problematic. Well, yeah. That's yeah. what I don't understand. You know, that might be a Bill Pullman problem. Don't get me yes. wrong. But but I, I think his administration also fails him a little bit. But he inspires others to do their best. And he put his own ass on the front lines getting in a fire pilot at the end of that amazing speech, which gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. I sometimes, <laughs> I'm dead serious. I sometimes play that speech on YouTube if I need a little pet me up. It is that inspirational. It's I do. Um, I'm not going to make fun of you because it's a it's a it, great speech. It yes. literally gives me goosebumps. So my, my statement is very simple. America's leadership could learn a lot from Bill Pullman as his time as president in Independence Day. Let's keep having this Bill Pullman conversation. I'll add a statement onto <laughs> onto yours. Uh, I do think Bill Pullman is the greatest on screen president of our lifetimes, and I actually have a list. And you know what? He's number two on the list that I pulled up from Esquire. It is hard to argue with number one, so let's call him one of the two best on-screen presidents of all time. So number five is, and I've never seen this movie, it's President Beck from Deep Impact, who was played by uh, Morgan Freeman. Number four was uh, President Dave Kovich from the movie Dave, played by Kevin Klein. And then we have President Andrew Shepard from The American President, played by Michael Douglas. And then President Whitmore, Bill Pullman, in Independence Day is number two. And President James Marshall, played by Harrison Ford in 
Air Force One. Get, Get off my, my plane. plane. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, it's a president that's literally like fighting terrorists on Air Force One and uh, well, I mean, and, and cleaning house. <laughs> Bill, Bill, you know, flew a. I mean, I, I love the, the fact that in both films, the common thing is that the president, who's, you know, supposed to be ultra protected, right? Secret Service, blah, 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 yeah, basically takes things into his own hands in both cases. <laughs> oh. But those are the fly. things that make him great, right? So the, the oh, speech, yeah, no. just a brilliant speaker and leader of men and people and humanity. You know, I think his his human touch, too. He knew that the mission to try and shoot down the alien spacecraft wasn't working after a couple got blown up. And so, you know, the generals were saying, we need to try again. And he's saying, no, nope, let's not go. Let's not just recklessly go killing our our pilots um oh, just negotiating with aliens on the fly too it's just a lot of a lot of things that he was remaining calm under pressure that i don't i don't think other presidents would have intergalactic crisis by the way remaining yeah. calm under intergalactic yeah, yeah. crisis yep. conditions yep mm-hmm. and and a, a lot of sort of incompetent bobos at times around him as well he fired a guy at one point yeah why why didn't they kill him like of all, they killed so many people, and that guy he fired was like you were waiting for him to bite it, and you wanted him to die so bad, and they don't yeah. kill him. That frustrated me. The one thing that I, well, there's a few things about this movie that are hard to believe, but in terms of uh, Bill Pullman as president, he remained so confident and decisive. Yes. During a crisis in which you would have no like, okay, if it's wartime or something, and you're you know you're about to. You're having a stare down with Russia or something. Well, that has happened before in American history. Or maybe there's racial tension and you have to figure out what to do. Well, that has happened before in American history. Intergalactic crisis. Statement within a statement. Everyone seems awfully calm for insane casualties that have happened in the world. Like like everyone in L.A., I got to imagine millions and millions of people have just been murdered across the world. Oh, they're getting wiped out left and right. No, actually, it's uh, it's more than that. There is a there is a book written. So next next statement. Let's. I'm I'm glad Declan okay. brought this up. Declan's hitting on all the the right notes here. So I'll just jump in with the next statement here. The plausibility of the final attack seems far fetched. Um, and I did. Well, actually, let, let let's dive into that in a second. I, I I let's 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 dive into the actual. Like the the aftermath of of all of this, and that the like the the world would be very shook if this happened in a lot of different ways, and and there is a um, I don't know if you want to call it like a sequel book, but there was a book written that tries to bridge together the gap between the original Independence Day in 1996 and the sequel movie that came out like 2016 16. or something, mm-hmm. and the book covers the 20 year period between those two movies and the world rebuilding. And uh, in that book, it estimates that at least three billion human beings were killed throughout all the you know fifty major cities. And so here's the write-up: Humanity had won the war, but at a tremendous cost. Earth was devastated from the invasion, as more than a hundred of the planet's populous and historical cities, along with irreplaceable institutions such as museums, libraries, etc., were destroyed, and at least three billion human beings were killed. This is from the sequel book. Many of these deaths were caused by riots, disease, crime, and hunger during and following the conflict. Those alive would never recover from the wounds of the invasion, both physical and emotional. 
So what would the world look and feel like if, and what, and would it be such a celebratory vibe if no. yeah, in the end we beat the aliens, but no. 50 to a hundred cities are ruined and billions of people are dead. And at that point in time too, what is Pullman's character left to be president of? Like <laughs> every, yeah, exactly. Every Re- major Reno city basically got blown Lincoln, up. Yeah, LA Lincoln, got Omaha. blown up. New York yeah. got blown up. Right. So like, he's like, uh, today is a victorious day for, yeah, for, for All um, you in Grand San Antonio, Forks, North Dakota yeah. are doing well. It's a great day for Utah. I mean, <laughs> what's left <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a lot of dead, a lot of dead people. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. My next statement: of all of the things that Bill Pullman's character as president takes well, he especially takes the death of his wife well. No film that I've seen, and I actually sort of admire this, sets up death and moves on like this film does. Yeah, Harry Connick. Harry Connick. We got Harry Connick. What should we do? Let's kill him. Uh, Bill Pullman's wife, the first. Lady dies, and it's just sort of like, ah, oh, she's dead. Let's, you know, let's be victorious. Like, there's no death that is really like taken hard or explored or anything. the The death toll in this film is essentially just rolled with. We're gonna roll yeah. with that. Yeah, it's uh, and there's there's almost like a a tongue in cheek aspect to this movie yes. too. Or Harry can... Connick's death is like this character yes and even like the end scene with um with randy quaid's character it's it's this kind of tongue-in-cheek up yours right (laughs) i'm back (laughs) so we're trying to we're trying to balance killing billions of people by the way there's no question he's drunk (laughs) he flies that thing as blitzed as can possibly be just just give me another cup of coffee and i'll 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 be okay it is an all it is an all-time tearjerker though that that scene like i i cried I cry at that scene every time when when they go to the hospital and and mommy is going to sleep now like that that pulls at the heartstrings every time. He just it, moves it, right it, on though. He's like, it, ah, it is a dead. good observation though. Like they did the she's dead, she's dead and we're moving on. Yeah, we're um, moving on. We're on fact, Cincinnati. It, it, it goes on to oh, wait, the that next, and that's a drive by Castellanos, and there'll be a home run. Yeah, um, <laughs> my statement <laughs> is, I love that this film wastes no time. So they, they just go pretty much right into this. At hey there is a giant ship over like all the national monuments and buildings in the world within like the first five minutes of this film, they go right after it. They blow up these cities. I think I, I pause it to like check when actually times up. Right. And then the, and the ships go off and blow up the white house and the, and LA and all, all the other major buildings. I think at like 44 minutes is when that happens. So like you're already on the edge of your seat, typically with action movies, right? You have the slow burn to get to that 45 minutes or like hour in before then it's kick-ass time and now now we're going to be into this this is literally like on the edge of your seat for the entire film yeah and even though it's over two hours i didn't i don't feel like this film's too long at all judd probably could cut out 30 minutes no problem but i'm at the edge of my seat and this film wastes no time when you're watching it i'm with you yeah it's a it's a long movie judd did you you are the resident you know cut movies down to 45 minutes. Yeah. Runtime guy. Did you feel like there was 30 minutes that you could cut out of this movie? Yeah. Probably like it dragged probably 15 or so. Um, pretty good. So some of the characters that they kill, they didn't really need, but at that time too, though, uh, you know, as far as special effects go and stuff, it was probably just like, we've got all of this cash to make this film. Let's kill more people, which is, which it's fine. Like if you went to that film back then, I don't think you're disappointed by the runtime. 
Like, I think that's a film where, where you expect it to be long. Yeah, you're settling And it. in the theater, you almost encourage it, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're, you're settled in. Because it's not All boring. Right. Okay, I was going let, to, let's, let's go back to the, I was going to make this statement a little while ago, but then wanted to dive further into the, uh, the three billion quote. The plausibility of the final attack is a little far-fetched. <laughs> so let's, let's break this down for a second. It's 1996. Aliens have traveled light years in 15-mile-wide spacecraft. That's what they said these things were. Not just one of them that they spent building. They literally have the technology and, and the advancement to build dozens and dozens of 15-mile-wide spacecraft that can travel light years. Technology that might be hundreds, if not thousands of years advanced from where we are in 1996 on Earth. Okay, that's one side of the, of the fight. On the other side, we've got humans that just started playing Oregon Trail five years earlier on Macintosh computers. And we're expected to believe that the humans are going to hack into these advanced alien spacecraft, plant a virus, and blow up all of these 15-mile-wide machines or spacecraft, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and travel into space. Like, <laughs> and, and, like, it doesn't seem like that ship is equipped to be... I know it's from outer space, but, like, there's no... They're not wearing astronaut suits. Like, there's no... There's there's nothing about them when they actually fly into space that makes you think, oh, this is astronauts and like they're equipped for this. Like that, we watched uh, Armageddon. We had, they had to prepare those nine slappy oil oil diggers for like that's actually like, pretty good. Yeah, like forty five minutes or to, to watch them do it, and then w- Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum just go to space like that. They just make a decision. <laughs> they're smoking cigars <laughs> ten minutes later. Like what the hell? Yeah, it's uh, it's just and and by the way, like okay, so the aliens are advanced enough to be able to just sort of they they come to this new planet and maybe they've scouted it from afar without being noticed but they come to the planet and instantaneously they know enough about our communication satellite system to sort of hijack it and use it as their own community so they're just instantly coming in being like boom okay we're just going to take down your communication structure we're going to use it but yet one of the countries figures out just on a freaking like Hail Mary pass, how to blow up one of these spacecraft, and they're not nimble enough to communicate to each other. Oh, oh, we have a problem over here, so watch out over Tokyo. It's like, nope, we figured out one of them, and now all of a sudden, they're all just screwed. Also, okay, we're hacking into their system, and we're sending Randy Quaid in a plane uh, sort of up the, uh, up the rectum of the, you know, the spacecraft. That was enough to blow up a 15-mile-wide. I feel like wouldn't, wouldn't that blow up a section of it? I'm back. Would it blow up all 15 no, no. With you here. miles no. of this, this film? This film was not striving for accuracy, <laughs> credibility. It was striving for, because it, it is tongue-in-cheek. Like, I, I think a lot of it is, is you know, Quaid, Will Smith. Uh, I think a lot of it was written to sort of just have fun have a ton of, of, you know, highly priced action yeah, and drop funny lines. Now, that's what I call a closing counter. I yeah. That lights line. the cigar. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. My next statement is the people of Earth get what they deserve here. So this seen. whole thing where, <laughs> oh, where we've got aliens and yeah. – that scene, I think it's in Los Angeles, right at the top of the at the yeah. top of the thing where they're all up there. They're, they're like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is cool, dude! What's going to happen?" And of course, they all die, which they deserve. Yeah. Um, 
you know, again, if we really had an invasion, and let's say they they aliens came in and they parked their ships there, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some morons who live on this planet. But would you have that many people like, oh, this is awesome, this is cool? I think a large contingent would be like, oh, my God, what's happening here? You know, we got to do something. We've got to. Um, so the people of Earth, I think, largely got what they deserved for their curiosity and the fact that they assumed that this that these massive spaceships would come in peace and just sort of park there and sit there. Yeah, it's absurd. It's it's totally obnoxious. And 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 I'm a Judd. I literally wrote down these people get what they deserve. That's what I have written yeah, verbatim in my note section. They deserved it. They, they're literally <laughs> just going to look at that spaceship like my next statement on this, like, if aliens come to Earth, I am hiding in a bunker for the rest of my life. I, I am not equipped. And when, when, when they're like, oh, we'll take anyone with flying experience or anyone to help fight, if there's any type of intimate war, nuclear war, or a draft, whatever, I'm, I'm out. I, I, I am not useful for you. You are better served not having me involved. I promise. <laughs> I promise I am not going to be able to help Sorry. with this. So, yes, I Okay, I but doesn't that – so – I feel like the idea of aliens arriving to Earth is fascinating. You guys are more terrified by it. Yes. I want nothing to do. I with think them. it's yeah. legitimate and it's terrifying. Yeah, I just oh, I, I would have so many they questions did. for them. Like how how much further advanced away. are you? Well, yeah, well, 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 you. How do you know? Because they're not going to like people. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Our people they, don't like people. They come to yeah, America. You take, one look at this, you take one look at this world. Are you really go, going to say, yeah, you know what? I'd really like to incorporate your lifestyle. Why do yeah. we always assume, too, that aliens are that ugly? You know, is it, is it because we've we've had enough alien sightings to know that they. That. It's a great Twilight Zone on, on that. Are you talking about the one uh, where she's in the she's getting in, surgery in the hospital, in the hospital? And, and they take the mask off and yeah. it's up. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. Spoiler alert. Right. She well, is they, they are aliens and she is a beautiful blonde woman and they think she's ugly cuz she hideous. doesn't look like them, right? And the yeah. entire in the entire show, they don't show her. So you're expecting this just abomination and she's gorgeous and they're like, "No change." Yep. And they can't look at her cuz so I think that this is a question though that is best a- answered by saying I think the perception of what a being looks like because like people sort of look weird but we're used to it like it's our it's what we were brought up with like feet feet feet, are weird well and noses are weird like just arbitrarily in your on your face you you got this thing that just juts out yeah if you came down from another one don't even get me started with below the belt okay oh i don't some of that stuff looks like if you're an alien what is that what are those things who who knows what they got (laughs) who knows what they're packing (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! I want to know what the aliens are packing. They don't know what they're packing. But yeah, but like faces are weird. Like ears are weird. Yeah, it's true. Like you just have these things that are growing out of the side of your head, and we're just always yeah, that's of course. Isn't it weird that apparently your ears keep growing too? Yeah. That as you get older, your ears just look gigantic because they sort of keep growing. Yeah, my dad's at the end looked really weird. Yeah, you never see like a ninety-eight-year-old with around. small ears. That's uh. a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Freaky. Yeah. Uh, my next statement about this movie is that I think slapping Fourth of July branding on this movie was completely unnecessary for the plot, but genius for marketing. Hmm. 
this was a movie about aliens invading Earth. It really had nothing to do. It could have happened in September. It could have happened in December. But the fact that somebody came along and said, what if it happened on our country's birthday, Independence Day, 4th of July? And they, and they wind up calling the movie Independence Day. And, the, and Bill Pullman's speech, right, references this is our Independence Day. It's kind of shoehorned. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but great for marketing purposes. Is it fair to say that this movie without – I can't remember what they were going to call it, but it was some, something else entirely. That this movie without Independence Day branding is still a hit, but it's probably more of like a $200 million hit that they probably gained a half billion dollars at the box office by branding yeah. it the way that they did. It, and what's the speech? Yeah, it would probably what look at speech? like Armageddon. Like, you know, it'd be look like that more where it's just like, this mm-hmm. is an obnoxious, kind of over-the-top, ridiculous, plot-hole-filled movie. It's probably looked at in a, in a similar vein as that. Yeah. Just like, it, it, as I was watching, I was thinking, yeah, it's, it's Independence Day. It was released on Independence Day weekend in 1996, but it has almost nothing to do with Independence Day. It's like, I don't know if you guys ever watch these corny uh, Christmas movies on Netflix, a California Christmas, and the, oh this woman God. has to sell her wine farm or whatever, and like, it has nothing to do with Christmas, but they, they put it in and around Christmas time when the thing is happening. It's, well, now, it's, now it's Christmas. Oh, okay. This is our independence. Um, my next statement is, the spaceship at the end looks like a giant cake. So the spaceship, like special effects be and things being built now have come so far. Because back then, I'm sure this was considered, you know, cutting edge, really cool, right? But if you go back and look at that, it looks like a giant cake. Um, it's just funny how, how, like, with Twister and with this film in 1996, you watch those films and you're like, oh, my God, the special effects are great. And now in 2022, you look at them and you say, like in Twister, it's a very sunny day and there's a massive tornado going through. How's that? Yeah. Or with this, like like the special effects of the spaceships that they built. Um, it's just, I get the fact that at the time it was considered super cool, but I couldn't get past the fact that now it looked like a big old cake from Firelies to me. <laughs> Just sitting Judge there. Just hungry watching Independence Day. I gotta have a cake. slice of that spaceship. Uh, <laughs> uh, my statement is more of a question to you two. So who would you rather be? We all we actually talked about one, uh, two of these guys so far. Who would you rather be in this film? Would you rather be Randy Quaid, you know, the hero at the end, but also the town drunk who has been previously probed by aliens? That doesn't sound uh, too appealing to me. Uh, would you rather be the Area 51 leader, the weirdo guy who gets the his throat wrapped around and, and the aliens communicate through him when they try to do the probe? That's also That's a good like, death. I that was terrifying. I, wanna, it, I like that death. It is spooky. You know, Judd I want it. you to die. Peace. No peace. Yeah. Um, or would you rather be the people we talked about in the last previous round of statements who were just on top of the building asking for their own death? We have to pick one of these three paths. Quaid, yeah, I want to be Quaid. I'm, I want to be Quaid. I want to go out, blaze of glory, be the hero. Let's Plus get I'm going it. out drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're almost no. there, right? Like, yeah, it's 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 basically there. Um, yeah, I found the I found those three paths really interesting as I was watching this film unfold. And the Area 51 guy, we probably in terms of the trimming out, we could probably do without some of his monologues and like that kind of stuff. Like that's probably the one area where it's freaky or not needed. But his actual death, it's pretty terrifying. 
His death mm-hmm. was good. That, yeah. That's a quality scene. How much do? What do you think the gap is between what the what the public currently knows in in real life, like not nineteen ninety six Independence Day, but we're just now starting to see a little bit more transparency about UFOs and sightings and stuff. How wide do you think the gap is between what we know as the public and what the government knows and has seen? Oh, like, do you like do you think how like how much life form do you think? Do you think there's been a bunch of different encounters of aliens coming to to Earth? Yeah, probably. I, Definitely. I mean, if you go back through the years, yes. And look, I think that there's a lot of people who care, but flat out, there are probably a lot who just don't care. But I think if you were to discover what is in the the classified information of the government compared to what we know, I think there's a big gap. Because, I mean, I firmly believe that, that there are galaxies and life forms. Like, it wouldn't make sense if we're the only one. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, when you think about it, okay, if if they have found a way to stumble through galaxies, however far they're traveling, yep, and they're and they're making it to Earth, and they're obviously very far advanced, and it's hard to wrap your head around, you know, okay, what would, how long would it take for us? Would it be hundreds, thousands of years? But then if you think about, mm-hmm. the Earth has been around for however many millions of years, right? And for all of those millions of years. We really had no advancement technologically or travel-wise. Like, you pretty much rode horses and walked for millions of years. And then all of a sudden, someone invented a wheel. And then someone invented electricity. And it was like, all within a couple, you know, two, three, four hundred years. And we started, okay, with the wheel and the electricity and then lights and then a plane and then a spaceship. And now it's like, we sent a rover to Mars. Can you imagine explaining to someone 150 years ago, oh, so, yeah, you're all going to get on a giant ship, basically, with arms on it, and you're going to fly from Los Angeles to New York, and there's going to be very few problems or deaths or anything. And then, eventually, you're going to be able to send machines to Mars, and, oh, that thing you see up in the sky there, yeah, it'll be super easy for us just to hop on a spaceship and go. And that's all happened, basically, in the last 100 years. Yeah. So what's going to happen in the next 100 years? How far are we going to be able to travel? I mean, I don't expect you to know the answer. I'm just, I think I'm just that, well, no, questions. I'm trying to give, give this some very in-depth and serious thought. I think the question is, and I think the answer is no for us. I think the question is, can you get out of the galaxy and live and survive? Because here's the thing. Like they used to talk about this. It feels like it's died down. But let's say that you could send common people to Mars or something. Hmm? One, I ain't going. And I'm two, not going. And two, like, what's there? We know what's there. A bunch of rocks. It's cold. You'd have to be in a special yeah. suit. I mean, I think the only advancement would be to literally for us to design our own spaceships to get out of the galaxy. But the first few folks who did, did that would probably just spontaneously combust and die. And I don't want to die that way. And plus, I'll just, be dead when just this all happens. Just leave me here. Just leave yeah, me here. I'm, I'm, look, I'm cool. I, I got surly. My, my future sports. generations get to figure this out. I, I I'm got, not. I'm not worried. I got about Dawn it. and Stella. I'm fine yeah. here. I'm a man of simple means. Like I uh, don't right. need to explore. Any other statements from you guys on Independence Day? I I got I'm one. Good. Um, President Whitmore's hair is unbelievable because it never moves. <laughs> he does have great hair. I mean, Bill, a lot. Bill Coleman had some great hair. I'm just going to put this succinctly as possible from my standpoint. A lot goes wrong. Like, there's a lot of 
hair-raising experiences. The man's hair, it doesn't move. Like down to the speech. Mm-hmm. When he's flying, the hair's perfect. My God, does he have good hair. Yeah. There's there's not a whole lot to nitpick about Bill Pullman in general in this movie. No. Would love to see what his final approving approval rating wound up being, though. Well, yeah, they're all dead. That's a thing, yeah. A lot, there are like 20 lot, people left. A lot fewer people thumbs to... Up. Thumbs up. To vote on that. So uh, for every action movie, we go through two different rating systems here. We'll start with the first one, which is the definitive villain rating system. One through ten scale. And the criteria is how iconic was the villain, how ruthless was the villain, and how charismatic was the villain. And in this case, the aliens in Independence Day are are the villains. Mm-hmm. So, Judd, how do you how do you stack them up on a one to ten scale? Well, charismatic is probably difficult uh, because they don't really talk much, but I will say this, when they do, it's terrifying. I'm going to give them an eight. Like, they're pretty iconic, and they're pretty effective, and they kill a lot of folks who probably get exactly what they deserve, so I'm going to give them an eight. I mean, these yeah. idiots in that tower thing just throw me nuts. Oh, it's cool. Now you're going to die. On the iconic and ruthless factor, I mean, they're they're honestly perfect tense. Like, they, they, they are. They're they, it, this brought back an entire thing of aliens. They're ruthless as hell. They they potentially murder billions and billions of people. Yeah, the charismatic part probably dings them a little bit. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a little guy inside a big alien. So, like, I wouldn't really call it charismatic. Like, it's just that little guy, you know, controlling the big thing. So, like, that's not charismatic to me. It's disgusting and kind of freaky and scary. But I wouldn't call it charismatic. I would give them an 8 as well. I think they're an 8 out of 10. Okay. I'm more of a 7.5. You know, I'm, I agree. They're they're definitely ruthless, um, charismatic, not very. In terms of iconic, I can't give them a ten because they're not they're not as iconic as the aliens from Alien. I don't even know if they're as iconic as some other aliens. Like Signs had some iconic alien. There's a lot of iconic aliens throughout they're the more, years. I think they're more iconic than Signs. I love Signs. It's like one of my all time favorite films. But I I don't think they're as iconic as Signs. But that alien that stops in Signs is that thing kept me up for years. It actually, I, I'm still terrified to go to bed and walk in brazil for that reason the, the professor they kill is a pretty good kill like that gets them points in my book yep i like that kill so that makes it a 7.8 which makes uh the aliens in independence day the highest rated villain so far ahead of surfer Bodie from point break and the f5 tornadoes from twister uh at the bottom of the list are the personal demons from both Top Gun movies and the British car-loving gangster from Gone in 60 Seconds, all 1.3 or below. Suck. Okay, now we get to the overall entertainment value of this movie here, a 1 through 10 rating on Independence Day. I'll stay consistent, an 8. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. Like, I... I like the fact that they committed to what they committed to. Like, they didn't... They, they didn't... Sweat death. People die left and right, and there's no like there's no focus to it. They did a good job there. Uh the dialogue is consistently trying to be basically guys cracking wise, which I'm fine with. Pullman's character is incredibly solid. So eight. I think that they very much for what they were trying to do in nineteen ninety six, they achieved. It's a nine for me uh it, it it's a really good movie i still think it holds up it's on the edge of your seat um i wouldn't say it's a perfect film so i obviously would ding it from being at a 10 but i i love this movie um i can rewatch it i can stop and sit and, and and watch it if it was on tv i'm gonna watch it all the way through uh it's a nine out of ten for me i do like this movie 
Yeah, it, it's a nine for me, too. Definitely a movie that I stop on on a regular basis when it's on. If I'm anywhere near the Bill Pullman speech, I am in 100%. If I'm anywhere near pretty much everything from the Bill Pullman speech until the end of the movie, that last 30 minutes or so, it's edge of your right seat. It's, a, it's amazing stuff. So it's a, it's a nine for me, which makes it a nine point, or wait, I'm sorry, uh, an 8.7 score between the three of us, putting it as the second most entertaining action movie we have done since we rebooted this franchise. Uh, five or six movies ago. So Top Gun Maverick, 9.3. Independence Day, 8.7. Top Gun, the original, 8.3. Point Break, 7.8. Twister, 6.7. Gone in 60 seconds, a 4.7. So All right, there you have it. Well underway now. Yes, we are. We're into it. And now we get to face off next week. John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, a mid-1990s classic that I can't wait to hear Judd's take on because you've never seen this movie before. Never seen it. Let's get it. This has been Action Movie Rewind, where we do entirely way too deep dives into some of the world's most popular action movies on Mackie and Judd and the Scornoth YouTube channel. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In With Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.